going to go to Proverbs chapter 22. Amen. Praise the Lord. I do count it an honor to be able to stand behind this desk and to be able to teach this morning, preach, whatever it winds up being. Amen. I never want to take it for granted. Amen. Praise God. Not only because it is the sacred desk, but uh, because it is my pastor's pulpit as well. Amen. Praise God. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. If you've got to say amen. Amen. Just one passage this morning. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Amen. Train up a child in the way that he should go. Amen. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Amen. If you could lay your Bibles down, let's pray and ask God to move in this place today as his word goes forth. Hallelujah. Let's worship him one more time. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We glorify you today. Oh, I love you so very much, Jesus. I magnify you and I glorify your most holy name today, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness, God. Amen, amen. You may be seated this morning. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I began to think about this service this morning and began to think of children, think of my children, and uh, my children are a blessing from God. Amen. My children are a blessing from God. Amen. Though we've had trying times, they're still a blessing. Amen. Praise God. I'm constantly learning from my children. Amen. And I'm thankful for that. But the Bible goes through, and, and, and I, if I had time, I could hit every scripture and uh, show you that children truly are a blessing from God. There's scriptures that, that proclaim this very fact, but there's a couple of examples that came to mind as I was studying, and uh, I thought about Rachel. Rachel was barren for most of her years. Amen. Rachel was Jacob's wife, and uh, her sister, Jacob had two wives. Her sister was bearing many children, and uh, she had borne none, and she went to Jacob, and, and she wanted this blessing from God so desperately that she went to Jacob, and she said, give me children, else I die. Give me a child or give me death was what she, her cry was. She understood that to have a child was to be blessed of God. Amen. And it is still true today. Amen. Genesis chapter 30, verse 1 said, and when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, give me children, else I die. Amen. Hannah was another one that I began to think of. Hannah, um, most of us probably just recognize her as Samuel's mother. Uh, the prophet Samuel um, was a blessing from God. It was a blessing that Hannah sought after, a blessing that Hannah prayed for. 
She, he was a blessing that Hannah wept bitterly for, the scripture tells us. Amen. 1 Samuel 1 and 10 tells us this very fact. And she was in bitterness of soul, talking about Hannah, and prayed to the Lord and wept sore. Amen. It was in God's plan to put into the heart of parents, of mothers especially, to want to bear a child. Amen. That is a natural affection. Amen. The Bible talks about unnatural affections. We could go, we could go a lot of different ways with this. But the fact is, we're going to see a lot more unnatural affection in, in these days when the Lord is coming. Why? Because that is one of the signs. Amen. But those that want a child, you're blessed when that child is, is born. Amen. And I'm thankful for that. These women, they were barren, but they reached out to God and they said, God, we want a child. And God blessed them with a child. And they were blessed Amen. Amen. They understood that these, th these children were a blessing from God. Children are a heritage of the Lord, the Bible tells us in Psalms chapter 127, verses 3 through 5. It says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and they are the fruit of the womb, is, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the mighty hand of a, of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. Amen. They shall not be ashamed. I'm not ashamed of my children. Amen. I'm a happy man. God's blessed me with some beautiful children. Amen. And I'm thankful for that. Amen. Praise God. But they shall speak with the enemy in, his, in the gate. Children are an heritage from God. And happy is that man whose quiver is full of them. Amen. Children's so Proverbs chapter 17 and 6, it tells us children's children, grandchildren are the crown of old men and the glory of children are their fathers. Amen. Children are to be cherished as an heritage of the Lord. Amen. Is anybody out there this morning? I feel like Brother Jared again. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. I know I'm going slow and normally when I'm preaching here, I'm, I'm preaching with everything I got, but this is a truth straight from the scripture. Amen. And I, I told Pastor, I said, I could spend hours teaching on this subject. Why? Because the scripture has so much to say. So much to say. Regardless of how we feel about it. Amen. I think it would do us all good as parents to sit down and find out what does the scripture really say about parenting. Amen. It opened my eyes to a whole lot. I've, I've been taught these things all my life. But to sit down and to actually study it out for myself. I'm ashamed to say it was just of late that I've done this. And, but the thing is, God has opened my eyes. And now I see my children in a different light. Amen. They're, they're a blessing from God. Regardless if they wake me up at 3 o'clock in the morning and want to scream for two hours, that's still a blessing from God. Amen. My son still brings me joy, even though I have to spend those hours with him. Amen. I know I'm not the only parent that's had to do that. Praise God. How many times have you fought with your spouse? It's your turn to go in there. Well, we have. We've had those discussions. Amen. We tried to keep them as quiet as possible, but sometimes when you're exhausted, and yeah, you know what I'm saying. Amen. Praise God. But they're a blessing from God. Amen. Praise God. Our text tells us tonight 
to train up a child in the way that he should go, should go. We have a mandate as parents. We do. Amen. We ought to train up our children. And to me, for so many years, I've just read over this scripture and said, yeah, I understand. i got to train up my child. i got to lead him in the right direction. Yeah, and it's just been nonchalant. But when I began to look at this thing, I began to open my eyes to a few things. The Hebrew word from which train up, the phrase train up comes from, is also translated in other passages as dedicated. Amen. Let's look at this. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse number 63. says, And Solomon offered a sacrifice of peace offerings, which he offered unto the Lord, two and twenty thousand oxen and an hundred and twenty thousand sheep. So the king and all the children of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. They dedicated the house of the Lord. Amen. They gave this place solely for the worship of God. They dedicated it for a purpose. They went through a long, I guess you want to call it for lack of a better term, a ritual or, or a, a, a lot of sacrifices, a lot of things to dedicate this and say, God, this place is only yours. And the things that take place in this place are going to take place because of you and to only give you glory. And they, as a people, set out to make that place holy. Amen. Second Chronicles is just another recount of the same story. But uh, And King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 20 and 2,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. Amen. You see, to dedicate something is to devote it for a particular purpose. It is to devote to worship of a specific divine being. Amen. Specifically, to dedicate something means to set apart to a definite use. To commit to a goal or a way of life. Amen. This is where I, I looked this up in several different places and they were all the same, believe it or not. But I pulled this one from Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. Amen. To dedicate something to God is to say, you're going, this is going to be used for one purpose, and that is to glorify God. Amen. One thing that I want my children to be able to do, and when they grow up, I want them to make the decision consciously, is to glorify God with everything they do and everything they say. That is my job as a parent, to train them to have that desire when they have to make that decision. That is the specific purpose as to why I dedicated all three of my children to God. Because I was telling God, this is not just a ceremony, God. But these children are dedicated for your purpose. When they come of age, I want to have, I am making a public statement to everybody around me saying, these kids are God's kids. He just loaned them to me for just a little while. That's the bottom line. They're not your kids. Nothing that I own is mine, but it was loaned to me from God. Amen. And if we can just understand these things, 
then we can look at this thing in a different light and say, God, this takes stewardship to a new level. We can be good stewards of our money. But I'm, my question is, am I a good steward of my children? What they see me do and how they see me act, is it in accordance to what I'm teaching them? Amen. I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's still the truth. Amen. Praise God. To dedicate something or someone to God is, is not just a one-time occurrence, if that makes sense. There is the ceremony, kind of like the wedding. There is a ceremony, but that is the beginning of a new relationship. This dedication today is not just, a, not just a ceremony and then we forget about it in a few days. But this is a, a couple that has decided together, we're going to dedicate this child to God. And we're going to, from this day forward, we're going to instill in this child a love for God. A love for the principles of holiness. A love for one God. An understanding of the true gospel. Amen. The scripture shows us that as parents, we are to teach our children. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter number 6, verse number 7 says, And thou shalt teach them diligently. That doesn't just mean nonchalantly. You're doing this with a purpose. A purpose. I, please don't take this as me patting myself on the back, but I started a new, I, I stole something from my friend, Brother Merriman, but I started a new deal with my children, and I started with Morgan. She was the first one this year to have a birthday, but I took her to breakfast. I, I took her to school late, took her to breakfast, and uh, spent some time with her, and I began to talk to her. As we were finishing breakfast that morning, I told her, I said, come here, are you too big to sit on Dad's lap still or, or yet? And she goes, no, and she runs over and jumps on my lap. And I said, Morgan, do you know what it takes to be saved? She looked at me, and she goes, I think so, Daddy. I said, so what's the first thing you have to do? She goes, it's a, it's a. I don't know, Daddy. I said, okay. I said, do you have to repent? Oh, she, yes, that's what my teacher was telling me the other day. I said, good. I said, do you have to be baptized in Jesus' name? She goes, Daddy, can I tell you something? I said, what, Morgan? She said, I feel like I'm at church right now. <laughs> I said, why? <laughs> I said, we got food tables all around us. She goes, because you're talking about the Bible and talking about salvation. I said, but that's okay. We can talk about it here at the dinner table. We can talk about it at home. We can talk about it in the morning and at the nighttime. It doesn't matter what time. But the Bible says we ought to teach them diligently. Diligently. Amen. Every chance you get, you ought to be able to talk to your children about salvation. You ought to be able to talk to your children about one God. You ought to be able to talk about to, to your children and teach them. But not just in word. Most of what you teach them is done by what you do. Amen. Teach them diligently to thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. When you're sitting around the house. 
when thou walkest by the way, when you're out and about, when you lie down right before bedtime, and when you rise up in the morning time, you're getting breakfast together. You ought to be showing them this is what it means to live for God. This is what it means to glorify God. Amen. Praise God. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 9 says, Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. So don't forget about all the things God's done for you. Why is this important? But teach them thy sons. Your child ought to know what God has done for you. Your children ought to know when God has blessed you. You ought to be testifying day in and day out. God blessed me with this. God done this for, the, for me. Man, and they ought to hear you telling your spouse, you know, I was praying the other day and I asked God specifically for this situation to be taken care of. And guess what? The Lord took care of it. Your children, when they hear you say those kinds of things, it builds their faith in prayer. Hallelujah. Praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 13 says, And that their children which have not known anything, they're born with no knowledge of anything, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land whither you go over Jordan to possess it. Amen. How are your children going to learn except I teach them? Except I talk about it. Except I show them how to do it according to my life. Amen. Isaiah 28 and 9 says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Amen. Whom shall he be able to make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn. From the breasts. We have a job and a mandate from heaven that as soon as our children are born, we ought to be teaching them. Amen. Amen. I, I thank God for my heritage. And I thank God for godly parents and a, and a godly, godly in-laws. And I know when my children were born, my father-in-law, the first time he healed them, the first thing my children began to hear, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Amen. That's good. Amen. That's godly. Praise God. Teaching them from the age of just minutes until the time that they make their decision. Amen. To what I'm going to do when I am I going to live for God? Am I going to allow myself to be glorified? Allow my life to give glory to God? Or am I just going to do my own thing? Amen. And their decision ultimately hinges upon what we do as parents. Amen. I'm saying so many things. Wish I had time to back everything that I have to say with Scripture. Everything. That I'm saying I can promise you is in the scripture. Amen. It's the parent's job to be able to teach our children. There is going to be a time that your children are going to ask you, 
why we do certain things. And it is our job to be able to teach them, not the pastor's job. Yes, he teaches on a regular basis. But we as parents ought to have it so ingrained in our hearts that those kids don't have to wait until they walk through the back doors of the church to be able to hear what has been taught. But we are mandated by the scripture to teach our children. Not send them to church and hope the preacher teaches it good, good enough that they can understand. It's my job. It's your job to make sure your children understand the principles of the scripture. Amen. Praise God. I know my, my pastor is going to teach the scripture. But I also know that when he teaches, it's going to raise questions for my children. That not necessarily, I'm not saying our pastor's not available, but I'm saying, what I'm saying is it's not his job that every time a child is ask, asking their parent a question, we have to call Pastor Rigg and say, hey, can we come to your office for a little while and, and, and talk to you about it? No, that's not how we go about these things. We ought to know, we, we ought to have studied the scripture enough ourselves to understand how to teach our children certain things. And some things we should be able to point back to how we have done them and explain the reason why we did them the way we did them. Amen. I know we're not swinging from the chandeliers, but it's the truth. Hallelujah. We've got to be able to make sure that our children know the Scripture and not only know it, but they love the Scripture. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We've got to teach them how to find it for themselves. Amen. Praise God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, you say, well, you're making all this stuff up. No, I'm not. Deuteronomy chapter 6, Brother Josh, if you don't mind helping me out here. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 20 and 21. And when, they, and when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, what mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? What do these things mean, Dad? Then the pastor shall say unto thy son. Then Grandpa will say to thy son. No. Moses said, Then thou shalt say unto thy son. We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Moses didn't say, bring them to me and I'll explain it to them. But Moses said, you are going to answer your children and explain to them why we have these things in place. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's been mandated for parents to teach their children godly precepts since the beginning of time. Amen. How did Cain and Abel know it was important to sacrifice? How? I don't find the scripture show, saying that God spoke to Cain and Abel and said you need to sacrifice. But evidently mom and dad was out there sacrificing. Showing their children this is how. You got to do it this way. You bring, you bring of the first fruits. 
and you lay them before God and you offer that to God and God will bless everything else, son. But you've got to make sacrifice. Amen. We could go on and on and on with example after example of how the parents played a significant role. Amen. In their child's life and how God used them as a result of what mom and dad did. Amen. Amen. We have a very important job. We have a direct command from heaven. Amen. What are parents supposed to teach their children? Well, I've made allusion to several different things, but let's let's talk specifically. Teach them the truth. Teach them the truth. What's the truth? Well, there's only one God. And to love that one God with all their strength, mind, soul, amen, with everything they got. What's the best way to teach them to love God with everything they have? Well, showing them that I love them, love God with everything I got. That means I'm going to church when it's time to go to church. It means, you know what, (laughs) when I get cut off in traffic, I'm not just going to scream and holler because guess what? They're going to see my attitude come out. Amen. I'm still lacking there. Amen. Just being honest. I'm not as bad as I used to be. I've got some stories, but I'm not going there. <coughs> Glad my children didn't see all that. Amen. But teaching them by how I act. How do I love the Lord with everything I have? Well, I give him every, every second that I possibly can. Amen. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in your heart. Your heart. Not just in your mind. I taught a lesson here a few few months ago in in Lacine. I said, look, we've got to get past knowing the truth, and we've got to move it from our head And we've got to get it in our heart somehow. Because once we get the the knowledge of the truth into our heart, nothing can persuade us otherwise. Nothing can. And if if we as parents can get this truth, I love God with everything I have. And it's down in the depths of my heart. I'm going to teach it as strongly as I possibly can to my children. Showing them, you know what? When the man of God says jump, I'm going to see how high I can jump. When the man of God asks me to do certain things, I'm going to go out of my way to make sure these things are taken care of. I don't care if my plans don't even allow it. I'm going to make it fit somehow. Why? Because I love the Lord God with everything that's inside of me. Your children see every time and every response to you that you respond with when the man of God gets up and preaches. Your children understand and they take it and they put it in their heart. And before long, they began to respond like you responded. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Worship is, thank you, Pastor, worship is powerful. How are our children going to know how to worship if they're not out there worshiping with you? Well, 
Basically, if you're not even out there worshiping, how are they going to worship? I tell you, children look at mom and dad. I've heard people say, well, they idolize so-and-so. Let me tell you, mom and dad, they idolize you more than they idolize anybody else in this world. Because you have the most effect on their hearts. You have the most time to affect their hearts. Amen. Amen. I, Pastor, if I get out of hand with my son while we're worshiping, let me know. But I love it that Camden comes down and worships with me. Because I want him to grow up loving to worship God. Amen. He may look like a little clown right now, but I can promise you in a few years, God's going to fill that boy with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because I put it into his heart. Love God with everything you got, son. There's been times where I just go into his room because I want to pray, and he's in there sleeping. I, I just want to pray because I want him to hear what it sounds like to pray. Why? Because when he's old enough and he can make his own decision, I want him to understand I love God with everything I got. My dad loves God with everything he's got. And he can even reach back and see Grandpa loves God with everything he's got. And he hears Grandpa praying and he hears, he hears Papa praying and he hears Dad praying. All of a sudden he said, you know what, there's something to this thing called prayer. God changes lives through prayer. Amen. God changes lives through worship. Amen. And our life, worship is not just leased to the church. We ought to be glorifying God through our daily walk. Amen. Talking to people about God's goodness. Showing people how great God is. This stuff's not even in my notes today. Why? Well, Brother Darren and Sister Celia probably, well, he, he does lesson two and lesson three and lesson four. Well, we may pick up on some of this later on, but. But it's the truth. We are mandated by God to teach our children. Teach them not only that God is one, that's important, but that we love God with everything we have, everything that we are. Amen. We need to teach them the gospel. What is the gospel? The death, burial, the resurrection. The gospel is salvation. If you don't obey the gospel, you're not going to make it to heaven. And our children need to understand this. At a young age, they must understand these things. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 gives us the gospel in a nutshell. It says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. First we have repentance, Peter said. That's the burial. That's, that's the death, I'm sorry. The burial, being baptized in Jesus' name, and the resurrection being filled with the Holy Ghost as evidenced by speaking in another tongue. Amen. Praise God. We need, to teach them, we need to teach them about one God and how to love him with everything that is inside of them. We need to teach them to love the gospel and to obey the gospel. And we need to teach them about holiness. Amen. Did you realize without holiness you can't make it to heaven? You cannot make it to heaven. Amen. It's what the scripture says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 tells us, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no one, no man shall see the Lord. 
Amen. I want my children to make it to heaven. I want them to understand that holiness is required in my life. Not all, Let me tell you something. The, first, the reason I said we need to understand the first commandment Jesus said, the first and greatest commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. All right? That was the first commandment. Why is that important? Because if they really love God with everything they have, they're going to obey the gospel, and they're going to live a holy life. Amen. If you really love something, you're going to do everything you can to make sure you are as, as, as compliant to whatever that thing you love wants or needs you to be. Amen. I love God with everything I have. That's why I have the Holy Ghost. That's why when I, I, I try to live as holy as I possibly can. Because I want to see the Lord. I want to spend eternity with God. And I want my children to spend eternity with God. Amen. Praise God. That's important. Amen. There's, there's several other points. And I'm going to go through these points today. And uh, please don't think I'm trying to point it, my finger at anybody. It's just scripture. This is what parents are supposed to do. Number one, we're supposed to teach our children. Secondly, we're supposed to provide for our children. Provide for our children. You know this is in the scripture. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you. For I seek not yours, but I seek you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. The parents ought to be providing for their children, not the opposite way around. Amen. Amen. It's the truth, regardless what society tells you. But the Apostle Paul said, look, you guys expect your children to take care of you. But I don't see where he put an age limit on this. And I understand when, when my parents get older, I want to do what I can to make sure they're provided for. But as I'm, as I'm raising my children, I'm trying to get them out into the world. I don't expect them to come back and, and provide for me. Amen. I'm trying to teach them to provide for themselves. Amen. And this is just my opinion. But if I teach them that they need to provide for me, then I'm teaching them a handout society. I'm teaching them to always want from somebody else. Amen. Again, that's just my opinion. But I see, amen, I've, I've ran into so many folks that want their children to provide for them. Amen. And it's, it's just the truth. The Bible says, but parents, for the children, you need to make provision. Amen. Amen. It's the scripture. It's the scripture. Amen. We are also to nurture our children. We are not to provoke them to anger. Ephesians chapter 6 and 4 tells us, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture of, word nurture, I looked up, simply means the training 
and admonition of the Lord. Colossians 3 and 21, he, comes, he tells those at Ephesus what I just read. Now in Colossae, he's telling the Colossians, he said, Fathers, promote not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. These, these scriptures are tied together. You've got to train them to love God. You've got to teach them these things. But if I'm causing them and I'm, I'm, I'm showing them anger because they're not listening to what, I'm having to what I have to say and what... Well, sometimes I think, <laughs> I know in my life, Reagan's come to me. And there's been things that I'm trying to tell her, but believe it or not, I did the opposite of what I explained to her. Why? Because that's just how I've always done it. Was it right? No, it was wrong. I was wrong. And I went to Reagan, and I told her, I said, baby, I'm wrong, and I'm sorry. I told you the right thing, but I did the wrong thing. And she was gracious enough to forgive me. I, I feel like that, that's a part of parenting. We ought not be so proud-hearted that we can't go to our children and say, look, I was wrong. Amen. It's another subject for another time. But it's the truth. But I watch, though, that situation war on, on, her, her, on her mind. Why? Because... She didn't understand. She was angry. I responded in anger. That's what happened. I, I responded in anger instead of trying to teach her why she did what was wrong. And when my children are grown, I want them to love this truth. And I want them to be able to teach their children this truth. But in love. Not because I demanded them to live this way, but because I taught them the value of living this way. That's what this is all about. It's not about saying this is right and this is wrong and you better do it this way, bless God, or, or, or I'm going to wear you out. But teaching them why this is right and that is wrong. Amen. If I constantly make them angry about things that I've been teaching them, I'm not, I'm not trying to provoke. I know they're going to become angry because they don't understand. But if I can teach them with my lifestyle, it's effective. But if I demand it and I teach them, this is what the pastor said, and, and we're going to do it this way at this house, and, and then you respond the opposite, that's going to cause confusion. Amen. That's provoking your child to anger. Getting your child to, to do things and then turn around and, and get them in trouble for doing those things. That's cause, that's provoking anger. Amen. And the Bible says, fathers, provoke not thy children to anger. But bring them up. Teach them with the training, the nurture, and the admonition of the Lord. Amen. My children will never end up where and what I tried to shove them into being. But if I lead them, there's a strong possibility that they're going to become what they ought to become. Amen. Amen. It's much easier to lead by example. 
Instead, it's much easier to lead by example. This is a part of nurturing our children. Your actions go much further than what your words do, especially with your children. You might can say something to somebody that doesn't live with you, and they can believe what you say because they don't know how you act when you're at home. But you can say one thing to your child and do the opposite, and they're going to see both things. And I can promise you they're going to do what you do and not what you say when it's all said and done. Amen. To nurture our children would be also to do what Lamentation calls us and tells us to do. Lamentations chapter 2 verse 19, he says, Arise, cry out in the night, in the beginning of the watches, pour out thine heart like water before the face of the Lord. Lift up thy hands toward him for the life of thy young children that faint for hunger in the top of every street. Jeremiah tells us, you need to pray for your kids. You want to see them saved, you've got to pray for them children. They're not just going to instantaneously be saved just because. But you've got to teach them and you've got to pray for them. You've got to nurture them in the love of God. Showing them we love God with everything that's in our heart. That's why we don't go these places. That's why we don't do these things. And this is why I want the Holy Ghost so bad. This is why day in and day out I fall on my face and I cry out to God, please forgive me. And God, please fill me with the Holy Ghost one more time. Because it's not just a one-time occurrence here. It's something that we have to go back and refill day in and day out. And your children see whether you're doing that or not. And if they, if they don't see that going on, then I can promise you, honey, their walk with God is going to suffer just like your walk with God suffers. Hallelujah. Praise God. Falling to our knees and crying out to God for our children is an essential way of nurturing our children. Amen. That's the only way we can have the true wisdom to raise them in the right ways. Amen. We also ought to control our children. Sounds like a strong word, but it's the truth. The Bible teaches these things. Amen. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4 tells us, One that ruleth his house, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. First Timothy 3 and 12 tells us, let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. Amen. If we're going to be in control of our children, they need to know, honestly, who's boss. They have to understand. Mom and dad's in charge. The children don't run the house. That doesn't mean my children don't get their way. We've made a policy at my house, and I'm not saying anybody else, everybody else has to do this. I've had people come tell me, well, you need to spank your child for that. Well, it's my child. And this is the policy I've promised my kids, every, all three of them. I know, Dal I know Camden don't... <laughs> 
I know Camden doesn't, uh, sorry Dalton, he's been hanging out with me the last few days. <coughs> anyway, Camden doesn't understand exactly what, I'm, what I've told him, but the fact is, if it's a scriptural principle that they have broken, that's what they get spankings for. If it's something, one of my rules, I don't spank them for it. They get punished for it, but they don't get a spanking for it. In my house, the capital punishment is is to be spanked. And my children know if I lie, I'm going to get a spanking. If I disobey, I'm going to get a spanking. Amen. That's just how we do things. And like I said, I'm not doing, not saying preaching that as a gospel. I'm just saying that's how I feel. Amen. There are rules in my house, and they must obey. And number one, they must obey the word of God. Amen. We've got to correct our children. If we don't, the Bible tells us that we hate our children. Proverbs 13 and 24 says, He that spareth his rod hates his son. Brother Justin, you mind? Proverbs 13, 24. Amen. Proverbs 13, 24. We're having a computer problem. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him the times. Amen. Proverbs in Proverbs 19 and 18, he says, Chasten thy son. While there is hope, not after it's too late, but while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Yeah, your son's going to cry when he gets in trouble. But it's okay, you can let him cry for a little while. It's the time of his learning. Amen. Chasten thy son while there is hope. Proverbs 22 and 15 says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Proverbs 23 and 13 tells us, Withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest him with the rod, he's not going to die. I started laughing when I read this scripture the other day. Society wants us to believe your child's going to die if you if you spank their backside. The Bible tells us opposite. He's not going to die. In fact, it's going to drive the foolishness out of his heart. Amen. Praise God. We've got to correct our children. They have to understand that when I do wrong, there is a consequence. Amen. Amen. I don't reward foolishness at my house. Why? Because I don't want them to think that that's acceptable. Amen. Praise God. Parents are to love their children. We are to love our children. So that's the opposite of what you just talked about. No, that's not. Because the first scripture that I read, Proverbs 13 and 24 says, But he that loveth him chasteneth him. Amen. So we are commanded by the scripture to love our children. Titus 2 and 4 says that they 
may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, and to love their children. Amen. Let me, let me show you some scenarios real quick and some reaching into the scripture, showing you what happens when parents really love their children. Let's look here. Love for our children is going to cause a mom to build an ark of bulrushes, place it in a safe place on the river, and then when he is found, she's going to teach him what the truth is so that he can lead his people out of bondage. Does that sound familiar? Talking about Moses. Love for our children will also cause a mom when her child has a problem to come to Jesus and beg for her child's deliverance. Even after she has been ridiculed, called a dog, and tried to be shoved away. But because of that mom's persistence and her faith, her petition was known and her daughter was delivered of whatever that was possessing her, her daughter. That's love from a parent. Love for our children will cause a father to seek out the Lord and have him come to his house when his daughter is upon her sickbed. Nigh unto death when he left the house. And when they arrive at the house to find her da his daughter dead and to allow Jesus to come into the house and to raise her from the dead. Love from the parents will cause a father to wait for his son's return. Even after the son looks at him and says, I don't care if you're dead or not, dad. I just want my inheritance because I'm ready to leave this place. And he goes and gets his inheritance and allows his son to go out into the world. But every night, sitting on his, this is just my imagination, but every night sitting on his front porch looking into the horizon, is he coming home tonight? Next night he wakes up, is he coming home tonight? This is what happens when a parent loves his child. And when he finally sees his son coming up over the horizon, the Bible tells us that he ran and he fell upon his neck and he kissed him. And he wept. And he brought him back to the house and put him in the servants' quarters. No. He didn't even put him to bed yet. They threw a party. Because his son came home. That's what the love of a parent will do. Hallelujah. I want to see my children saved. And I'm going to do whatever I possibly can to make sure that that happens. I don't care where I've got to go. I don't care what I've got to do. And I don't care how many prayers I've got to pray. But I've got to see my children saved. I don't care how many days I've got to fast. Amen. But I've got to see my children saved. Hallelujah. Praise God. If we could stand, they could come. We have... Today, the greatest example in all the world of how a father ought to love his children. Jesus said he would never leave us. He's going to never forsake us. He knows everything about me. Like any father will about his child. He even knows how many hairs are on my head. 
or for that fact, how many hairs are not on my head. He died to pay a price that I owed. He paid it in full. For the wages of sin are death. And that's what he paid for me. He died upon an old rugged cross for me. His child. He extended the opportunity to become his child through that death on the cross. No man and nobody has any greater love than what he does for me. He is a true example of a true parent. It's amazing to me how one God can show us so many different roles, but with perfection. I want to be a father like he's shown me to be. He sacrificed that we could be his children and take upon us his name. 1 John 3.16 tells us, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, his life, nobody else's. Not his sons, but his. He laid it down for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 2 Corinthians 5 and 19 says, To wit, that God was in Christ. Reconciling the world unto himself. Not imputing their trespasses to them. And he hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Because of that word of reconciliation, we have the opportunity today. If you haven't been living for God, you can come, you can fall down on your face. And you can do what we talked about a while ago. When, when we start, talked about obeying the gospel. Fall down and say, God, I'm sorry for what I used to be. I'm sorry for what I used to be. Now I realize, God, that you did that for me. And I need your forgiveness today. You may ask me, what, what must I do today? What must I do to take advantage of reconciliation? What can I do to be saved? I've got to be saved. I've got to see my children saved. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 through verse 40 tells us, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. And said to Peter, to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent. Turn from your old wicked ways, he said. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You realize, doesn't matter how bad you are, your sins can be removed. They can be taken away from you at baptism. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why? For the promises to you, to your children, to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. As many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we pray this morning?
Oh, we need you today, Jesus. Lord, I want to be saved. I want our children to be saved. If you're here this morning and you need the Holy Ghost, you want the Holy Ghost. This is the time. God is waiting for you right now. Why don't you respond to the Holy Ghost that is tugging on your heart this morning? Allow God to remove those old wicked thoughts, those old wicked ways of, that you've always been going, you've always been doing, and allow God to replace it with his peace and his love. These altars are open this morning. If we could find a place to pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. Why don't we all find a place to pray this morning?